produced by women about women. Powerful Women Let's Talk is a series of interviews with women who are trailblazers and have helped shape our world, transforming who we are and how we live. Hello, everyone. Time for Powerful Women Let's Talk. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Jennifer Moss. It is a pleasure to bring you today's powerful woman, Betty Burton Gross. Betty has a long, powerful history in Grand Rapids, 30 plus years of experience in education, business, volunteerism, and public service. A former CEO of Wonderland Business Forums, an elementary school teacher for nearly 25 years, and she currently continues her dedicated work in public service by working and committing time to young people at the Kent County Juvenile Detention Center Walks School residential program. You're going to find her there every Friday. Betty Burton grows so happy to welcome you to Powerful Women Let's Talk. Thank you. A bit more you need to know about Betty. We can't cover it all, but we're surely going to try. She's always been heavily involved again in the work of community service her entire life. She's a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, a public service sorority. She served on the Commission of Early Childhood Initiatives, Girl Scouts of Michigan Trails, the African American AIDS Coalition, and trust me, this is the very short list. She's also been on countless boards like Mercantile Bank, Grand Rapids Urban League Board, and Grand Valley State University's Foundation Board of Trustees, The Right Place Board of Directors, and Economic Club of Grand Rapids. I also have to mention a few awards like the Giants Award here in Grand Rapids and the Michigan Women's Foundation Award. That's huge. And it's a distinguished alum from GVSU. WCA Tribute Award and the Girl Scouts Gold Award. All of this has powerful woman written all over it. So again, we do welcome you, Betty Burton Gross, to Powerful Women Let's Talk. And so tell me about this. You've been active in our community for so long. You are a role model, even to myself. Full disclosure, I've known Betty for many, many years and have been so impressed. You're like family. And it's an honor to be able to interview you today. You have had quite a career and a community-driven life, basically. And at this stage, you're kind of retired, but you're still heavily involved in the community. As we've mentioned, you're on Friday. We can find you at Juvie. Are you enjoying the journey at this point? Yes, I'm enjoying it. I'm certainly moving at a slower pace and not doing as much as I once did. But the things that I am involved in keep me alert and uplifted. That's a good thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Tell me, how important is your work at the Juvenile Detention Center? Yes, I'm the grandmother figure there, (laughs) the oldest one for sure. But I believe if just one young person can learn something, gain something, change something, because I'm there, it's worth it. One of the most delightful things is when I am like in a store or something like that, and I hear a kid say, hey, Miss B, (laughs) then that sends me the message that they want to see me and that they have made some changes in their behavior. So that's exciting for me. You know, as we talk about powerful women, um, have there been any barriers that you've encountered as you traveled along your career's paths? Barriers perhaps as an African-American woman or maybe even the difficulties of, of taking over the, your, your business and leaving your teaching career. Those, I mean, all types of barriers. What, what have you faced as you strolled along? Well, first of all, I have always considered myself primarily an educator. And so when I did have to leave my classroom, I was devastated. And I still 
try to find ways where I can be in the teaching mode. Coming in to take over our business was the biggest challenge that I've ever had in my life because it was a thriving business and my husband, my late husband, of course that was his expertise. And I had on the job training for sure mm -hmm. and depended heavily on the employees that were there. They knew their jobs certainly much better than I knew them. And so one of the things that I learned to do was to delegate and I grew with them as they did their work. And that had to be a, a challenging and kind of a daunting task. The backstory is your husband passed away, and so then you kept Wonderland Business Forms um, going uh, mm -hmm. for as many years as you could. And, and that has to have had its own little set of, of challenges in, in your life because you were trying to, to continue on a legacy of something that, you know, that wasn't your territory, really. <laughs> Yes, I would always say I'm not into numbers and <laughs> fine print. I was uh, more, much more creative. I think I still am very creative. And as I would tell my young children, to use their imagination to move forward in, in their young lives. Uh, I did come up with some serious obstacles. And it had to do primarily with being a black woman in a white man's world. Some people were very subtle in their kinds of discrimination towards me. Some were very obvious in it. I will always remember going to one of the larger corporations in Holland with a, a gentleman who worked for our, hus our, our company who uh, was middle-aged white guy <laughs> and um, so we were sitting in the chairs and the purchaser that we were meeting with actually turned his swivel chair and I saw his back the entire time we were there. And so, you're the owner and he's, uh, yes, and he's and, talking to the other person. Right and the salesperson kept saying actually Betty is <laughs> the owner. But uh, that was probably the most difficult, one of the most difficult experiences that I had. Another thing, I was at a meeting with women, and um, we were talking about all of the things that we can do in a collaborative way to move forward. This was very much during the time that women and people of color uh, we're getting the push to move forward. And this one young lady said, of course, like everyone here, I have a mentor. And it occurred to me that I did not have a mentor, would not have a mentor. The person who could help me could barely talk at that point. And when I tried to share that with the other women, they were just astounded mm -hmm. that that was my dilemma. And in a town and an area like West Michigan. So. No one else understood that or could exactly. fathom that that was what was happening. So as, as you move forward though, in, in that, how did you persevere? Because that's, you know, in Powerful Women, we, we look to other women, that's the, the whole goal of this is to, you know, empowering and, and, and encouraging. You made it through and the business did do well for a period of time and so, how did you persevere and stand up in all of that? I think it was just my basic character and personality from being uh, 
a young person growing up in a large family up north, and uh, my mom and my dad always telling us, we are not quitters. We have to keep moving forward. And uh, so I didn't really have the notion that I could stop or say I give up or any of those things because that was not part of my DNA. And I, because I think of uh, being in education for so long, I was able to use my skills in creativity, my skills in management, organizational mm -hmm. things, and depending on those that I worked with. It was not easy, but I made it through. I learned early on that I do have the ability to network mm -hmm. and to make connections. And that also was a, a big plus for me in the business. And, and that you don't take that lightly because that part of that networking and, and being able to stand allowed you to win, the, was it the Michigan Foundation? Michigan Women's, Women's Foundation. Foundation Award, which is huge because you told me that you were amongst a, a crowd of people that, <laughs> tell me some of the people that also got that award that year. Oh, well, I always remember uh, Esther Berry, who is Barry Gordy's sister, and she is the one who created Motown, mm -hmm. the museum. And I just read in the paper last week that she's being inducted into Michigan Women's Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. So that's a biggie. I also, uh, getting the award that year was Florine Marks, who is one of the original owners of Weight Watchers mm -hmm. and helped to develop that program nationwide. And I was <laughs> just totally overwhelmed and impressed with her. Mm -hmm. And there were two other women from uh, Grand Rapids as well. Now understand this was back in uh, 1994, I believe. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of jogging my but that's okay, but still, it's quite an accomplishment. And, and so you're amongst these women and other women who are doing great things, and, and that's a huge award, a huge accomplishment. And as we look at that, you know, we do face those obstacles as we've been talking about. What has it also taken, though, for you to become comfortable to find your own voice, kind of to own it, to just say, you know what, I am comfortable in my own skin. And I would imagine through all that you've been through with uh, Wonderland Business Forums, teaching, and then all of your multiple public service events, how did you get comfortable in your own skin? Because you, you, you know so many people and you stand, you know, you, you stand your ground and, you, and you've been a networker. That's true. Well, I would, again, go back to my childhood, growing up in northern Michigan, and we learned to get along with a lot of folks who do not look like me. <laughs> so uh, we understood that we not only but play a role, but we also find ourselves that way. And I think that's what happened with me. The principles and standards and values that I was raised with, I have maintained throughout my life. And that has helped me to understand uh, parameters and uh, sometimes barriers and obstacles and how to maneuver in a positive way. And that's what has helped me, I think, mostly be my own person. I definitely know who I am. 
-hmm. and not ever trying to be like someone else. You also have something kind of exciting going on in your life right now um, as it relates to that personal history and your, your raising up north, your, your home in Manistee, Michigan. Um, that's going to be designated as an historical site. That's kind of exciting. You've had a lot of things going on up there as they kind of document that history. Why, is that, why did they pick your home? Well, first of all, the house was built in 1868 and... We were told that it was the town brothel, that the only hotel oh, wow. in town was immediately across the street from our home, which still exists today. And my dad and mom bought that house in 1932. Mm -hmm. They were the first property owners in Manistee, actually in Manistee County, who were then Negroes. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, very special. My dad kind of grew the house as our, grew, as our family grew in number mm -hmm. because there were 10 children uh, uh, there in this little house. And we have kept the home because it is so special to us. And now because of some of the uniqueness, my parents being uh, there, first of all, the first black family to live in Manistee and actually we were the only black family for almost 50 years mm. before anybody else moved in there so that in itself was one of the uniquenesses of it Absolutely. and my parents little by little because of their standards and values actually changed the community just a little bit at a time mm -hmm. So those things made... Everyone knew the Smiths, right? That everyone. was your maiden name, Smith. <laughs> yes, everyone knew the Smiths. And so hopefully soon there will be a marker, historical marker in front of our home, at, which is being worked on now. And we are working with Eastern Michigan University, where we have a foundation there, to do some of the uh, making permanent the authenticity mm -hmm. of our home and putting values on some of the things that are still there mm -hmm. and so forth. So, so, yes, we're the house at the bottom of two hills and the <laughs> only one on the block. Oh, wow. So everybody That's pretty knows. exciting. That's pretty yeah. exciting. And so when we talk about work with universities, you also, right here at Grand Valley, you're a distinguished alum and you also have a scholarship, um, as we talked about your late husband, um, in his name here at, at Grand Valley State University, correct? That's correct. Yes, I uh, actually went back to school then. I was a non-traditional student, I think 1977, and I was married with three children. Mm -hmm. so, so that was unusual and was proud to graduate in the first uh, graduate class in the School of Education at Grand Valley. That's amazing. There were the I first think, class, yeah. Yes, of the graduate school. Then my late husband and the president, Don Aaron Lubbers, were very good friends. As a matter of fact, uh, Don Lubbers is one of the first public institutions that said to my husband, we'll do business with you. Mm -hmm. And Grand Valley was a wonderful customer buying all their business forms and print solutions from uh, Wonderland Business Forms. 
And it was his idea and mine that we start a scholarship at Grand Valley that was primarily for African-American students. And he said, I want it to be student for students who were just like me, smart, but C plus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that scholarship is there. We're so proud of the fact that right now over 200 students have received that scholarship. It's an endowment too, right? It's, yeah. it's endowed, so it will be there forever long after we're going gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's proud a, of that as well. Absolutely. So I know you've worked on, with a lot of people throughout the, the years and on boards and, and other places. What are some of the leadership traits that you like to see as you, you know, work with those as you're on your journey and have worked with those other folks? For me, in a leadership role, is to recognize the talents and achievements and abilities of the folks that I'm working with. And um, often enough, we see someone who says, I'm so tired, I have to do everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, well, I recognize that I don't have to do everything, that there are other people who have many of the same capabilities. And if I allow them to go ahead and do their task with expectations that they will do the very best they can, it usually does happen that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a quality that uh, is so important in leadership. It's not about, um, you know, I'm in charge, so do it this way. Mm-hmm. I can be a thought leader. I can be um, the person who synergizes a group, but I don't have to run everything. So that's important to me. Absolutely. And so tell us, too, you know, some of the things that you like to do. There's a couple of points. You know, I would always ask people, like, what do you like to do for fun? And you've already told me one of the things that you think is fun are, is, is kind of in your educational role that you continue is teaching young people etiquette. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and up until two weeks ago, I would always say to the young people as we begin, and if the queen invites you for dinner, you will have to know how to maneuver 37 pieces of silverware and plates and cups and so forth. But now, I don't know if the king is going to invite anybody (laughs) or not, but that's the reality. Yes, I teach dining etiquette to kids. It's one of the things that I love doing. I do it mostly with teenagers, sometimes with college age Uh, students. I've done it right here at Grand Valley um, with incoming students. It's amazing to me how many of them don't know how to set a table. Mm -hmm. And even though we've got all these fast-forward things going on in our lives in the world, I still think that some things are important to have those basic skills, especially when it comes to eating as part of a group at a banquet or if the mayor invites you for dinner. Uh, Years ago, I received a phone call from a young lady who had been invited to a luncheon, I believe it was with the mayor. And she Mm -hmm. called me up and she said, Mrs. Burton, I knew which fork to use. (laughs) 
That's so exciting. And so that was in itself very, very exciting to me. And just a fun activity, the things that we can do at home uh, with our families. The other thing I believe about dining etiquette is that it allows us to spend time actually talking with others. And the togetherness mm -hmm. that comes with that kind of fellowship, I think, is particularly unique. And often enough, depending on the audience or the group that I'm with, I should say, uh, who may practice the Christian religion, I always remind them that every place that Jesus went, they ate. There was food. Mm -hmm. And he served food. Mm -hmm. And so we have to know how to do fellowship with food as well. Yeah, and that's something very important to you. Quickly, I do want to touch on another thing that you love to do, and that's working with a group that it's grandparents raising grandchildren. Yes. Just give me a little bit on that before we move on. Okay, well, uh, right now, we uh, grandparents raising grandchildren are not meeting. We, uh, during COVID, everything mm -hmm. kind of had to dissolve, and we've not been back in a formal sort of sort of way. There are, in the state of Michigan, thousands and thousands of grandparents who are raising their grandchildren for whatever reason. And so we've already had our turn one time. Right. Now here we are at it again, but at a different age and stage in our own lives. And of course, as everyone knows, children have changed and so we have challenges that are unbelievable but also one of the things that i do with the grandparents is help them with resources i'm not the expert on how mm -hmm. to do but i certainly can find all the resources that we need uh, to be as effective as we can mm -hmm. uh, with our grandchildren that's that connection and networking, that expertise that you have as well. So tell me, what's a word that you give for folks, for people that um, you know and love, or just an encouraging word? You know, we go through so much in this world today, but what's an encouraging word or, or um, model that you have that you like to use to encourage others? Well, there's a couple things, but in Matthew 35, it talks about, I was hungry and you fed me. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I needed uh, a place to live, and you let me stay. And um, that's always been important to me, as well as having been raised very United Methodist uh, with our founder, John Wesley. He said, our goal is to do all we can for whomever we can, by any way that we can, and as often as we can. So those two things are important to me. But as a young child, my mother always told me, you've got to reach out, you've got to step out, because I would be leery about the unknown sometimes. And uh, she said to me, you've got to be like the turtle. In mm -hmm. order to move forward, you've got to stick your neck out. You have to take some cautionary risk. You've got to get out there and explore and find out what's next in the world. And because of that, I remember distinctly at age eight, my mother gave me this oh. turtle 
I think it was soft, but now it's petrified and it has a broken neck, but mm -hmm. I still have it. You still have it. And it's your signature because it's, you always have a turtle on every exactly, day. Exactly, because uh, when with my late husband, when uh, we found out that if he was going to live, he would have to have a heart transplant. And he had gone to the doctor alone, which was unusual. We were mm -hmm. at Mayo Clinic. And um, he came back to the hotel room, and he handed me a turtle, a brass turtle, which I still have. Mm -hmm. And he said, remember what your mom said, you've got to keep moving forward. And at the family hour for after he passed away, one of my dearest friends came and pinned a turtle on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. She said, Bet, remember what your mom said. Remember what your husband said. You're going to have to keep moving forward, even in these difficult times. And today I have a wonderful husband, mm -hmm. and he did not know the story of why I have the turtles and why mm -hmm. they are so important to me. But his first gift to me was a turtle. Was a turtle. That's amazing. <laughs> that is just amazing. And you continue to inspire and encourage others and, and encourage them to stick their necks out too. And we so appreciate that. And so Betty Burton Gross, I so I really enjoyed this conversation today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We appreciate having you on Powerful Women Let's Talk. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Powerful Women Let's Talk. We'll see you next time. Produced by women, about women. These powerful podcasts focus on powerful women and how their strength transforms who we are and how we live. Want to hear more powerful women Let's Talk? Get additional interviews at WGVU.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe. Powerful Women Let's Talk is produced by WGVU at the Meyer Public Broadcast Center at Grand Valley State University. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of WGVU, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University.